And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. Good morning and welcome to the hump day edition of The Real Investment Show. Of course, as uh, we continue to roll into earnings season and really earnings really starting to kick off hard now. Um, again, this week, next week in particular, we are going to have just a deluge of earnings today. We have uh, Tesla as well as AT&T, some big names coming out, Microsoft after the bell yesterday. Um, interesting report from Microsoft, uh, you know, really kind of, you know, beating estimates on revenue and earnings and, and those type of things. Of course, uh, announced a restructuring charge for laying off 10,000 workers um, after having the party with Sting. But... <laughs> which stung a little bit if you're getting laid off. Um, but um, they guided down on their forward outlook. And this is the thing we've been talking about now for a while is that it's not the earnings that are important right now. Because again, we lowered the bar so much now that companies are meeting and beating estimates. But what's important is, is to pay attention really to two things. If you're analyzing company to buy it, uh, pay attention really to, to two things in particular because once we start getting into this kind of earnings outlook, you know, it's one thing when companies beat estimates, but what does that mean about where they came from? Right. Well, they're earning less money, even though they beat estimates. So when you hear these headlines that, oh, Microsoft came in and they, they beat their estimates by, you know, two pennies and their revenue was twelve billion dollars, whatever it is. Well, that revenue was actually down from last year. Right. So they're making less money. And that's also important to consider when you start thinking about a stock that's trading at eight times price to sales right now. Um, but the other part of this and the more important thing is these outlooks. And this morning, uh, Microsoft's going to trade down a bit this morning because their outlook was pretty negative. Now, again, this says a lot about where we are economically. There's a big debate right now between are we into a soft landing scenario or are we going to have a recession? And believe it or not, while you hear a lot of headline news about the impact of a recession, a recent poll out asking investors about their view on the market is about evenly split between a soft landing scenario, which basically means we get down to about 0% growth, but we don't have a recession, right? You just have very slow economic growth. That's a soft landing. Uh, recession, obviously negative growth. But that poll was about evenly split between a soft landing scenario and a recession. Now, those, those are, you know, while it sounds kind of like splitting hairs, it is a bit, but um, in terms of the markets, you have to come back and look, has the market been trying to price in already this soft landing scenario? And that answer is probably yes. So if we do have a soft landing scenario, stock investors have already kind of priced in that idea. What they haven't priced in, obviously, is a recession. And that's where the real risk comes in. Again, so as we go through this earnings season, and again, we have Tesla this afternoon, uh, and, and for the first time, you know, their inventory is starting to exceed their, their deliveries. So, I mean, sorry, their inventories and deliveries are about even. So we're now starting to see uh, a little bit of a catch up here in these companies. So 
the outlook is going to be very important. You know, can people go out and continue to buy Teslas, right? That, that costs or AT&T with their services. You know, what's happening with their services uh, uh, subscribers? Are those going up or going down? Are people cutting back on their phone plans? These are the things that you want to be paying attention to because they're going to tell you a lot about where we are economically, and this is why earnings seasons are important. Don't get too wrapped up again in the, in the actual report itself. And again, right after the bell yesterday, when the earnings were initially announced that Microsoft had beat estimates, stock was up fairly sharply, about 5%. Uh, when the CFO came out and said, yeah, but our outlook sucks, uh, the stock gave up at 5% very quickly. So it was, it was, it was a very you know, quick move. But this is, this again, what's important here is how companies are expecting things to turn out over the course of this year. And again, those outlooks are not great. Earnings estimates are coming down, right? They're just not coming down enough theoretically to price in a, a full-blown recession if we have one. And again, but this is the big question. It, it's very easy, as we've said before, to get into that camp that, oh yeah, you take a look at all these indicators. The leading economic index out yesterday declined 1%. It has never been down 10 months in a row and not have a recession. So, you know, that's the, that's the big thing. We, we, we have these indicators that are all telling us, hey, a recession is coming. But there's also the potential that because everybody expects a recession to occur, that markets tend to do something different. Markets tend to price in about six to nine months in advance of an earnings trough. Now, let me say that one more time so, you, so that rings. The market, the S&P, tends to trough about six to nine months before the earnings trough. Why? Because investors are starting to anticipate the worst outcomes that are going to happen. So about six to nine months ahead of that bottom in earnings, so that decline in earnings, stocks stop going down and begin to trough. And the reason is, is because investors are beginning to look forward. So, okay, that, you know, in the next couple of quarters, that's going to be the worst there is for earnings. So based on current prices, you know, I can start buying these stocks here. And that's kind of what happens in the markets. But you, you've got to be a little bit careful with this because, again, that's averages, right? <laughs> yeah. The thing about averages are is that sometimes it's a lot better, sometimes it's a whole lot worse than what the average is. Uh, so, but, but the point is, is that markets tend to lead earnings trough, economics recessions, those type of things. The, the question that we have to answer, right, as investors and as investors deploying capital into the markets is have the markets fully recognized or anticipated a real recession or are the markets and prognosticators etc all tied to this idea of a soft landing scenario and have not accounted yet for a deeper decline in earnings that's the but nobody knows the answer to this this is where we're going to get to but it is important to pay attention though again as we take a look at for instance going back and taking a look at microsoft microsoft has been basing ever since october um, hasn't really gone down. So, so investors have been saying for the last, you know, four or five months that the price of Microsoft is probably fairly valued relative to the economic outlook that currently exists. That's the big question. We'll see how, well, and again, what, you know, market's going to be down a little bit this morning. Microsoft will be trading lower because of, their, of that forward outlook. But the question of what will be a good telltale sign today is that if the stock stabilizes and doesn't go down dramatically over the course of the next few days, 
that the outlook has already been priced in to the stock. So that so that's so again, pay attention to what's happening with a company like Microsoft because I'll tell you a lot. Same thing with all these earnings that we're going through. If these and this is the way to kind of start looking for those diamonds in the rough to invest in, by the way, is look for companies that come out and give poor guidance but don't go down in price. And if they do, if that's the case that, that comes along and you're looking for an opportunity to invest capital, look for these companies where outlook is poor, but the stock prices don't go down. What that tells you is, is that most likely the, the worst outlook has already been priced into the market. So again, these are kind of ways to, to use earnings a bit to start kind of finding those opportunities. And, then, and if you do find an opportunity like that, don't go jump all in and just buy everything. Um, you know, start slow, nibble, Build the position over time. Let let the position confirm that your thesis is right. Just because it, the investors may be thinking that the bottom is in, they may not be right. Right. So go move slowly, move cautiously, allocate your capital accordingly. So big question today is: Would you like to pay zero taxes by not cheating? We'll talk about that with Danny Ratliff when we come back from the break right here on the Real Investment Show. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Housekeeping. Getting your financial house in order for the new year need not be a tedious task. Our next Candid Coffee will get you ready for the fiscal roller coaster 2023 promises to be with financial tips and talk. Saturday, January 28th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The financial housekeeping Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Morning and welcome to the show at six seventeen. Danny Radliff joining me this morning. Um, lots of things to get into. I thought it was an interesting story out this morning. Uh, just kind of some quick headlines that are kind of going around uh, markets, economy, etc. But thought it was interesting that there, you know, for ever since the Ukraine war started, we've just been sending you know billions of dollars in aid over to Ukraine, right? And just recently, Zelensky came into Washington, gave this uh, standing ovation speech um, about the needs of Ukraine. Of course, we just sent more billions of dollars. Ukraine rocked by corruption scandal. Wave of top officials now resign. Sports cars, mansions, and luxury vacations as people suffer. It's not surprising. When you send billions of dollars kind of untethered anywhere, this happened in, in Afghanistan, this happened in Iran, this happened you know everywhere we send money to, right? Um it never gets to the people that it's supposed to get to. And this is why, you know, these kind of unbridled, you know, spending rounds that we do and just sending aid kind of off the cuff to certain countries. You know, you think about over the years, right? We've How many billions of dollars have we sent in aid, you know, from, you know, private charities to governments, et cetera, and foreign aid have we sent to Africa, Right to solve you know, hunger in Africa, to solve all these problems in Africa. Yet here we are decades later, centuries later, 
And it hasn't improved much. And this is because all that money and aid winds up in the hands of warlords and other people <laughs> that have access to it, and it never gets to where it's supposed to go. So, you know, it's, it's taxpayer dollars, you know, getting diverted in these other areas. But it, it, this, is, this headline really isn't surprising that money didn't quite get to where it was supposed to go to actually fight the war effort. It wound up buying mansions and funding lavish travels. The rich get richer. Yeah. Well, this, and this is this is why war is a good thing, right? I mean, if, if you're in the if you're in the military complex, you don't want peace. Peace is not profitable yeah. if you're in the military complex. Uh, stock futures down this morning. Um, again, talking a little bit about you know this at the open. Microsoft sales growth uh, slowest since 2016. Uh, we've talked about you know the issue that you know expectations for earnings and expectations for corporate profit margins are still very elevated and you know so when you get a report like this from microsoft saying hey we've our sales growth is slowing down that is going to impede profit margins overall uh ge and uh, 3m results uh painted a mixed picture one thing we saw from 3m that was important is that um we are now seeing layoffs spread outside of the tech sector you know so Again, these layoffs up to this point, we've we've had a lot of layoffs coming in from tech companies, Google, Microsoft, you know, Amazon and others. And they're and everybody's like, oh my gosh, a recession's coming. We're laying off all these employees. Well, the 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 these companies had overstaffed in 2020, 2021. They were just hiring anybody. You know, if if, if you know I'm Jeff Bezos and I've got my my top lieutenants over here that run all my different sectors of my business. I go, y'all just hire whoever you want, right? Just make sure your business segments are operating. Well, they just overhired. They were just hiring anybody. You know, I need a director of yoga. <laughs> so, or and I need an assistant director of the food preparation, you know, menu items, right? So, you know, they were just hiring people for everything. So they really overstaffed. So seeing them shed some of that overstaffing is not surprising. Again, they were they were hiring hundreds of thousands of people and laying off ten thousand, right? So, you know, that hasn't been that big of a deal relative to the market. And what we've said before is to pay attention to when that begins to spread to the areas of the economy where they didn't do that. Right. They, they weren't overhiring people to a great degree in some other areas of the market. And we're now starting to see this kind of spread beyond. Again, it's not huge yet, but it is worth paying attention to. We're now starting to see these layoffs begin to spread to other comp uh, to other companies. Um, you know, and, and again, as I said uh, earlier, you know, there is a rising hope that we will avoid recession. Um, Europe is trying to pick up traction. China coming out of lockdown, what they're hoping is, is that will spread back into the U.S. and provide sustainable growth as China, you know, comes out of this lockdown period and people go back to work, or, you know, go back to work, go back to spending, et cetera, that that demand, that demand pull, right, will help support U.S. economy and help us avoid a, a, a deeper recession here. And so, you know, and, and the point about this is, is that's a valid argument, right? Is it possible? Is it probable? That's that's not the issue. But if you're in the camp right now of, you know, I'm in the deep recession camp, I have all my money in gold and precious metals, um, be careful with that. Because, again, things can happen that don't necessarily jive with the way we think they should happen. You know, what we want or what we think is going to happen 
doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out that way. It doesn't mean you're right or wrong. It just means that things change over time. And there are certainly things that are impacting the economy, not just here domestically. Yes, we've got some issues here domestically, but there's other countries in the world that also feed into and off of the U.S. economy. So it's important to just kind of lay all those things in. Okay, so those are some of your headlines this morning. Again, uh, big, big earnings day. Tesla, Abbott Laboratories, AT&T, NASDAQ, Boeing, uh, Ethan Allen, Kimberly Clark. Lots of, uh, again, we're in the heart of earnings season, so we're going to have a lot of earnings-related stuff to talk about over the next few days. Um, but uh, Tesla, obviously, will be the, the headline number after the bell today. So, Danny, good morning. Welcome good morning. to the show. How are, How are you? you? Doing great. Good. Well, everybody wants to know... Uh, you know, how to pay ta- not pay taxes. Yeah, that seems to be the theme of the week so far as we're getting into this tax season. So tax day is going to be April 18th this year, historically April 15th. They do give you a little wiggle room typically. When it falls, it falls on the weekend. On, yep, correct. Yep. Um, now, also, if you've been impacted by natural disaster like Alabama, Georgia, California. Pasadena. do get, yeah, that may be a new one, right? Unfortunately. Um Pasadena, Texas, for all you Californians out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, if you didn't, if you did, it, again, true. We, there was a tornado last night. For amazingly, right, this tornado in Pasadena, Texas, um, did a good bit of property damage. Nobody got injured. There was actually there was no, and, and there were the, the sheriff was talking this morning. Is like, it's amazing that nobody, there were no fatalities, no injuries from this thing. That, they, that they're aware of. Obviously, something may Correct. show up. But um, but right now, they're just, it, it's pretty amazing. So anyway. No, it is. So if, if that's the case, you are impacted by natural disaster. You do have till May 15th. Um, we are not CPAs, by the way, but just providing you with a little bit of information here. Um, but So in other words, don't take anything we say seriously. Yeah. Consult your CPA. Um, but there, there are a lot of people who are trying to file early right now. And one thing that we find, you know, just now IRS opened up that as of January 23rd, you could begin to be a, become an early filer. And they estimate 168 million people will actually do that, Lance. And so one thing that we always want to caution people on, especially if you own mutual funds, as you're beginning to get 1099s from your custodians, that's your Fidelities, TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab's, uh, you need to be cautious because a lot of times what happens, they're going to have to have an amended 1099. And at that point, you may have to submit your information again. So a lot of people are jumping to get this done very quickly, but many times you're going to have to go back and redo this. So make sure you're gathering all your information. Another point is just this last year, the IRS came out and said, listen, they're starting to track your your PayPal, your Venmo accounts, any of these side hustles, which historically kind of flown under the radar. So if you're making more than $600 on a side hustle, you're going to get a 1099K from a lot of these companies. Now, the IRS has now came back and said, listen, you're going to have a little bit more time before we have to, to start really tracking these. However, if you get one of these 1099Ks, I would strongly encourage you to talk to your CPA, make sure that you're filing that because I think a lot of people are going to mm-hmm. get caught here because that's been kind of a loophole or a way that people, you know, they've, they've transacted, given money. I mean, shoot, we've paid in the past babysitters with Venmo, yeah. right? Well, it's kind of the, you know, this is kind of that whole loophole that, you know, bartenders and waiters and waitresses, et cetera, have, you know, had for a long time, strippers, uh, because they get paid in cash. And so there's no 1099. Well, but how and, are you still calculating those 1099s? On well, them? I know. This, but no. You the, think all these these guys are paying with? 
Well, no, this this is my whole point, and that was the whole idea of Venmo, right? Yeah. So you know, the, so here's one of the arguments against you know being a digital currency is that there was a loophole. If people would you know go mow a yard, somebody gives you fifty bucks in cash, you don't report it, right? You just stick it in your pocket, and nobody knows the difference. But now they can track all these things. But the idea was, is hey, just pay me Venmo or whatever, and nobody was reporting this stuff, right? They just they Correct. were treating it like cash, but it's not cash; it's trackable. And now the, the IRS is saying, hey, there's a lot of money that's flowing. And, you know, duh. I mean, all they got to do is look at the income statements of things like Venmo and Zelle and others. Uh, Zelle's about to start off their uh, a whole expansion on on their payment system. Uh, for the same reason. It's billions of dollars. And so if the IRS is sitting there going, I need more tax revenue because we have a national deficit of over a trillion bucks, that was a real easy place to go grab some money. And people aren't happy about it, obviously. They keep sending money out. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. You're talking about a recession, though, and you, you just mentioned strippers. You heard about the stripper indicator, right? I mean, here in Houston, they did a they did uh, they did an interview, and basically the the lady said, "Hey, we're not we don't have nearly the money. The places are empty." Yeah, there and was a, there the, was a, there the was guys a, came out and said, "Well, you think the girls have it bad? We have it really bad." Yeah. Well, you know, back in the uh, back when George Bush was uh, president, yeah. There was a, a trio here in town that that had a uh, stand-up comedy routine, and they played all the parts. And it was about the pre this was when um, Bush was campaigning for his second term as president, okay. and they came to town to uh, to the campaign. senior or W uh, the W. Okay, and so the the plot was is they came to town in order to campaign for their presidency. And every time they would get to the taxi to go to their next event, the taxi driver would ask them, well, what strip club is that next to? Because they're on every corner. <laughs> so. Terrible. Anyway, funny. All right. I got a sense of humor, Danny. All right. I, well. I've got a sense of humor. I mean, golly, already gone in the gutter this morning. I mean, you've already got boxes over here. Um, anyway, coming back from the break, pay zero taxes. We'll talk about how to do that. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com housekeeping getting your financial house in order for the new year need not be a tedious task our next candid coffee will get you ready for the fiscal roller coaster 2023 promises to be with financial tips and talk saturday january 28th with richard rosso and danny ratliff register now at realinvestmentadvice.com the financial housekeeping candid coffee with ratliff and rosso register today at realinvestmentadvice.com realinvestmentadvice.com you're listening to The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. It is uh, 6.33 as we kind of get this morning show going. Uh, so the big question, how to pay zero in taxes without cheating? Stop working. That's the easiest way. Yeah. 
just quit working. Don't have any live off, income. Just because you know, live off the government. Although government benefits are taxable, right? Some of them. Some of them, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's. So you got to be a little careful. Yeah, but most of these guys, I mean, you're, you're going to be able to get away with this. There's, your standard deduction is extremely high now. That's You've true. Got, uh, actually, um, I was just reading an article in some states. Um, I was, I'm, I was kind of working on an article. You know, there's there's this this myth, right? Well, not a myth. There's a fact that there's seven million men that have dropped out of the labor force and they're sitting home and playing video games, doing whatever, right? And so my question was, is well, how are they supporting themselves? Well, in some states. You can, like California, you can make up to $100,000 a year if you work the benefit system the correct way. And it was pretty amazing how much money you can make. In, and, and I was looking at the but data through various states. But you're still poor in California. I'm sorry? But you're still poor. Yeah, but you're still Under poor the poverty line. But you can, and have you, now they want to try to impose a tax to chase rich people around the country. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, it's very interesting. The, the, the data goes state by state, and in some states you can make up to hundred thousand dollars. Most states, you know, you're fifty to sixty-five thousand, which is still, if you work the whole system the right way, still not bad money to sit at home, right? No, not at all. And so, you know, I think that right now many people are determining, okay, how do I, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, Lance, because typically when people think about how can I mitigate taxes, unfortunately they're not doing it when they should be, which is throughout the year. Um, and so the IRS is saying, hey, there's some changes actually this year that many people may not be aware of, especially if you have children. You know, we had a child tax credit in 2021 that went away. So we talked about, you know, monetary and fiscal policy, which caused a lot of this inflation. Well, you know, the the average, well, a married filing jointly couple, if you had a child, you had a child tax credit, which was $2,000 per child, went up to 3000 Now, if you had a, and it became a refundable credit, which it was not previously, it was just a credit. Now, if you had a child under six, it went up to $3,600. Well, that is now reverted back to $2,000. So there's a lot of people, I think, Lance, that may be shocked as far as, you know, that that refund may not be as big as what it once was. There's also the electrical vehicle credit, which, you know, we hear a lot of people talk about $7,500. Now, that has given a little bit more wiggle room where people are actually going to, uh, there's some hybrid vehicles that, you know, there's some gray area. So make sure you understand exactly what you're purchasing and if that's included, because not all of them are. But, you know, big question, right? How do you pay zero in taxes? Um, you know, this is one that typically we're talking about capital gains tax. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see on the uh, the YouTube channel right now, the Real Investment Show, everybody's talking about, well, hey, you should trade this market. And they, that's that's probably right. There's a lot of swinging going on right now with, with markets. Mm -hmm. And, um, but... You need to be mindful because anything held less than a year from a capital gain perspective is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates. Now, if you are um, paying long-term capital gains, which means that you're holding a position for over a year, you have a little bit more wiggle room. And so I think this is a, an area that, you know, back in 2022, if you're single, you could have up to $41,675 in income. Now, this includes your ordinary income. Um, if you're filing single, if you are married filing jointly, it's $83,350. Now, you get a little bit of bump for inflation this year. If you're single, it's $44,625. If you're married filing jointly, it's $89,250. And what's important about this is that you may be able to do some strategic planning around this to keep yourself under, under that threshold. So if you make less than those numbers I just gave you, you're going to pay 0% in capital gains tax. Now, there are um, there's some ways to get there, right? Standard deductions been extremely high, um, you know, over twenty five thousand dollars this last year. If you're married filing jointly, 
gives you a little bit of a wiggle room here that you can utilize if you're itemizing. Um, you may have even more, but this also gets really important when you start thinking about if you're near retirement and you're in a position that you feel like is you, you feel very good about, do you hold off? Do you wait to actually sell that position? Because this is not on unrealized gains. You may have a whole lot of gains in an in a account, but that doesn't matter until you actually realize them and you sell that position. So do you wait till the following year when maybe you don't have any income? But this goes back to Lance, where we talk about you know finding areas to put funds into that are going to give you more flexibility where maybe can you pull from a Roth? Can you pull from a life insurance policy that has cash value? Can you pull from um, you know an, an after-tax account that does not have those capital gains? Or do you look at tax loss harvesting? You know, and this tax loss harvesting, which many of you know, this is where you sell a position to offset that that's down to offset some gains in other areas. You know, we had some clients this last year who said, hey, I want to go ahead and take some additional losses, or maybe they already had some built in that they've taken over the years because they want to they want to be able to carry that forward because you can offset that against your taxes each year plus an additional $3,000. But anything above and beyond that, you can carry forward till each and every year until you exhaust that. So there's some really nice tools to get out there and to, to help mitigate taxes because, look, capital gains taxes, if it's long-term capital gains, it's at 0, 15, and 20%. Um, well, and, and, and for some people, that may be more than what your ordinary income, what your effective tax rate, not your marginal, but your effective tax rate. That's right. Uh, I misspoke, by the way. I, I said California. I was That was incorrect. California is 71000 So the states with the highest incomes that you can get from the government to not work. Uh, Washington, Massachusetts, New Jersey, all over 100000 Minnesota, Montana, Hawaii, Colorado, Oregon, Rhode Island, Utah, North Dakota, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and Kentucky, all are 80000 or above. And then Wyoming, Illinois, Texas, Kansas, Iowa, West Virginia, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Maine, and California are all 70000 or above. So if you can live on 70000 or more, pick one of those states and... Because, again, a family of four with income of $227,000 uh, can qualify for ACA subsidies. So there's a lot of money sitting out there, all different types of grants. Oh, and there's low a lot income. of people who know how to expose oh, yeah. and find that. Low, yeah. income, uh, low income child care, and you don't have to be that low of income to get child care support. So there's, there's just a, we, there's so much uh, Social Security uh, SSI benefits. There's just so much money sitting out there that people are figuring out a way to do this. And, and this was a study that was just put out recently um, by, it's called Paying Americans Not to Work by economist Dr. Uh, Casey Mulligan and Dr. E.J. and Tony uh, at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And again, the whole article is talking about this reason why we have a rising number of people that are now just choosing to sit out of the workforce. And think about this for a moment. We have, uh, apparently we have unemployment in the United States at some of the lowest levels in history, right? Three, three and a half percent unemployment. Yet we have 100 million people that are not part of the labor force. So how, how is that? So population of the U.S. is only like 330 million people. So if one third of your people are not part of the labor force, yes, some are kids, some are stay-at-home, wives or husbands, um, you know, whatever. So there's reasons why people are in school, right? Get that. But you still have one-third of your population sitting out of the labor force. How do you have an unemployment rate of 3 3.5%, right? So just stuff to think about. But there's, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of money sitting out there. If you don't want to pay taxes, you should read the study <laughs> paying people not to work. 
If I could figure out how to live on seventy thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would I would presume you would not be married. Uh, well, I would be married. Look, you know, it amazes me, right, Danny? I mean, have you ever been to Disney World? Um, I have, but okay. I'm not taking my children there. Right. Okay, but you've been yeah. to Disney World, yeah. right? You remember the, the the massive number of people that are Correct. at Disney World, right? At the average, and this has always been my question, it's expensive to go to Disney, right? Even if you drive there, oh, right? Every time we go skiing, I think to myself, how in the world do people afford all this? Exactly, because it's crazy, yeah. right? But people, you know, the average median income in the country is, what, $62,000, $63,000, and yet they're all on ski slopes and at Disney and everywhere else. So credit cards, baby. That's how you pay for it. Well, and, and that's why you're seeing the average credit card balance go up. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're veering off topic a tad bit here, but... It, I, but that's you don't pay it, taxes on credit cards. It's people living well above their means. Well, yeah, that's right. You're, you're not paying taxes, but you might as well with 20% interest. Well, this is true. But you'd be better off paying taxes and actually earning the income. You know, never mind. We're going gonna to get me on a tangent here. <laughs> don't live above your means, guys. Come on. What? Like the government? Uh, anyway. That's a great example. <laughs> So, but you know, well, but the point is, is, is that again, you know, there's, there's, you know, you know, there's so much money sitting out there, and this is all taxpayer-funded stuff, right? Correct. So again, so this is, you know, you get into this real kind of this tangle about, you know, and it's also interesting you're talking about how to pay zero taxes, but yet we have California now who has just passed or trying to pass a bill that will change if you lived in California and left, you came to Texas. They want to chase you for your money. So this is this is the they should name this Elon Musk bill because this is what they're really targeting. If you lived in California and worked there and then left and came to Texas, a la Elon Musk and Tesla, and you have over and here's the the catch of the bill: it's for people that have over a billion dollars of assets, right? In year one, after year one, it drops to fifty million. But they want to chase you wherever you went, anywhere in the world. If you ever lived in California, they want to come collect tax from you. I don't know how you enforce that. But well, I mean, you're going to see it, people leave. Not that we already haven't seen people leave California in droves, but I mean, what's your incentive to stay at that point? Right. Well, and now I the, mean, there's no tax incentives already, but now they're going to chase you potentially. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, but look, you're, you're, it's, it's all these states though that are running these massive deficits. Um, you know, California, I think Detroit. Um, no, sorry. I think it was California, Illinois, a couple others are you know trying to pass these massive spending bills to support families and this type of stuff. It's great, right? You want to send send more money to households. So let's go hurt the people though that create the jobs, right? That create the money, the that build is, the economy. The problem is though they have already got busted deficits, and they're trying to figure out a way to raise more taxes Correct. to pay for the stuff that they want to give away. It's it's a circular it's a circular loop, right? So, but the government should be the role model who can't pay their bills. <laughs> But they should make decisions for you and tell you how you should spend your money. And we'll be back after the break. Wrap up the show with some market stuff. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Housekeeping. Getting your financial house in order for the new year need not be a tedious task. Our next Candid Coffee will get you ready for the fiscal roller coaster 2023 promises to be with financial tips and talk. Saturday, January 28th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The financial housekeeping Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
Buzz Aldrin just tied the knot at the age of 93. Talk about going to the moon. <laughs> I think this is his fifth marriage. That's pretty. Uh, more power to Buzz Aldrin. I think some states cut you off at like four or five. Really? Yeah. I don't think you can get a divorce anymore. I think you're stuck. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Johnny Carson. If if, you, if you're old enough to remember Johnny Carson, Johnny Carson was married what four or five times? five times? Five times, yeah. And of course, the big joke with him was is that you know he made all this money doing the Late Show, you know the Johnny Carson show, um, but it all went to his ex-wives because of every time you get divorced, right? He's losing a ton of money. So, well, and that's that's why the important thing, especially if you're getting on a four second times. marriage, he's married um, four times, third, fourth marriage. After two or three, I mean, do you just stop counting? Um, Well, at some point, you know, you have to go at this point, right? Who's going to marry Buzz Aldrin at 93? That's an odds-on bet that somebody's going to win. (laughs) Carson had to keep remarrying or marrying women, so he'd have material. This is is a fact. Well, it's his uh, CEO of his company who he actually married. So he has a Buzz Aldrin, like an astronaut foundation. Right. But... What so I think this she's article's a space cadet? pointing out, yeah, she's a space cadet. But what the article's point out that the need for people, as you know, one, as you get older, you're typically you know building more wealth. But mm-hmm. you know, if you've been through several marriages, maybe there's not a whole lot left there. Uh, but the importance of like a prenuptial agreement or actually really good estate planning, I think this is something that's often overlooked because it's uncomfortable. People don't want to talk about it. We talk about it frequently here. Um, you know, you want to keep money in your pocket, but also you want to create that legacy. How do funds get from, you know, point A to point B or, or C in this matter to a child? A lot of times they don't because many states are common law. Mm-hmm. So the moment they get married, if you don't have a good estate plan set up or a prenup, those funds, I mean, you may think that the house is going to the kids or uh, funds are, unless they're set up properly, that's just not going to be the case. Well, it was, we see this all the time, though, right? You know, people, people with wealth pass away and like there's no will. And it's a disaster. Yeah. And you've seen the opposite happen as well, where maybe you marry somebody, they pay for part of the home, and then they pass because of the way that it was set up. Then it goes to the kids instead of the the spouse. I mean, there's a lot of planning that needs to be done, especially depending on which state you live in and how they look at community property. But you want to make sure you protect yourself. And I think Buzz has probably had to do a good job over the years. Um yeah, <laughs> being on number five, you at least hope, right? So, but that brings up a, 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 a kind of an interesting point about joint accounts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to open up a joint account, particularly with a brokerage firm, you know you need it. And, and if you just walk and say, "Hey, I want to open up a joint account with me and my wife, and we're going to have an IRA," we'll each have an IRA, right? So you're going to open this up. Be careful about, you know, be sure and specify what type of joint account you want. There's two types of joint accounts. There's a joint tenants with rights or survivorship, and then there's what's called joint tenants in common. And they have different impacts upon what happens to those funds when you pass away. The The joint tenants in common will comply with whatever your will says. So if, if, the will, if my will says that when I pass away that all my money in that joint account goes to Danny and not my wife, that's what happens within that within that distribution of funds. If it's joint tenants with rights or survivorship, it goes to the wife, regardless of what the will says. 
So, you, this, so it's important to make sure that when you're setting up your accounts, be sure and talk to your advisor about all the ramifications, Roth IRAs, beneficiaries for your Roth IRAs, IRA, and, and IRAs, right, both. But who are you naming your beneficiaries? Um, did you name a, Did you set up an IRA and didn't name a beneficiary, right? These are all important. You know, they may not, they seem like innocuous things right now, but down the road when you're doing your estate planning and thinking about where do you want your money to go, if you haven't taken care of the little details, like setting up the right type of joint account or naming beneficiaries, it can get really messy really fast. It can. And look, you want to try to avoid probate as well, because then you're talking about attorney fees. Whoever is the executor is typically going to have to start paying out of pocket or the estate will um, be before the estate can actually pay some of these fees. So you want to make sure that all these this is done properly to one, keep more money and you know, your the purpose is intended, right, to go to your heirs or your legacy. Um, keep more money in their pocket, but also save a lot of time, headache, and heartache from the potential pitfalls that, look, we see a lot of families torn apart because of this. But, um, you know, it's uh, if you get to number five, I think you're doing pretty good. <laughs> Walking it's on four, the moon. Four. Walking on the moon, baby. Walking on the moon at 93. Good for good, him. Yeah, hey, no, for sure. Good for him, right? Good for him. You know. There's so many jokes. I'm just going to leave it alone, like going out. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it all alone. Anyway, market stuff here uh, as we get ready to open the markets this morning. Um, markets did break above, you know, the 200-day moving average also broke above that downtrend line. Markets are going to be down a bit this morning following, you know, some some weaker news coming out of Microsoft in terms of earnings. That's going to weigh on the markets early this morning. Um, what'll be important though is to see if we get some recovery later on today, see if the buyers are still there. Um, we need to have a successful retest of the 200 day moving average where the market holds above that, doesn't give that up and turn this kind of breakout into a false breakout. That's the risk right now, right? Is this breakout legit? That's the question everybody wants. No, we won't know that until this kind of plays out over the next few days. That's why we're remaining a bit cautious here waiting for some confirmation and if we do get some confirmation we do have a breakout markets are moving higher then we'll add some more equity exposure but you know for right now just be a little bit cautious here let the market tell you what it wants to do yesterday was interesting because we had recently just added a position of altria to our portfolio and, and yesterday morning the stock was up like four percent at the open we were like man nailed it and like two seconds later it all went away um and, and this was because there was a glitch on the new york stock exchange that had they it actually had to wind up delaying the opening of, of a lot of these big cap names because this glitch happened and prices were all over the place. Um, it caused the <laughs> I'll read you the headline a technical glitch at the New York Stock Exchange on Tuesday briefly caused wild price swings and a temporary trading freeze in stocks of major companies such as ExxonMobil, McDonald's, and Walmart. And this is you know, this caused a lot of angst right at, early at the open yesterday, but you know. There, there we go. So they've, they've got that fixed, obviously. <laughs> but sometimes that can happen. And so it was all exciting for about five minutes. Thought we were making a bunch of money on this one position. <laughs> so, so was it truly a glitch or is there something more sinister going on behind the scenes? No, no, it's just no, a glitch. Yeah. Just, just, when you have, look, when you have computers running everything now, I mean, it used to be in the day where you had actually people doing this stuff. But now that computers run everything and eventually it'll be chat GPT that runs everything, um, you know, you're going to have glitches every now and then. Chat GPT talk about how to pay no taxes. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Have you ever seen, have you got on there and actually done that? Oh, yeah. No. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's scary. It's, it is scary. 
And that's why Microsoft has now invested, you know, ten billion dollars into the company. So third, they're they're about to make their third round of investment um, into ChatGPT. Do you know who actually is kind of the founder of ChatGPT? No, who? Elon Musk. Really? He's one of the early investors into that. Interesting. So yeah, people keep keep people keep discounting this guy. <laughs> oh, it's it's phenomenal. So if you've never seen the what it what it can do, I mean, you could say, hey, write an obituary about my grandmother who loved peony flowers and it would be this long dissertation yeah. you're like oh my gosh it's yeah, amazing no, it, it's it's absolutely incredible. It, it, it writes code so if you want to write code in angular or python uh to solve yeah. some mathematical equation it'll do that for you in seconds like three seconds it will i i, I went on to it the other day and i said draft me an article about the intersection of uh, fed policy and economics and it needs to be 900 words and not plagiarized in any form. Three seconds, I had a 900-word article. This is where article. Lance is getting all his newfound free time. Yeah, exactly. I just, I don't even work anymore. <laughs> I just, I chat GPT everything. But no, the point is, is that in, in 2010, Bing, which is yep. Microsoft's search engine, made up about 3% of the search market. The rest of it was pretty much Google, right? Yeah. In 2022, Bing now makes up about 9% of the search market. About 84% is still owned by Google. The implementation of ChatGPT into Bing theoretically brings up this potential to flip that equation to some degree. And so you could see potentially Microsoft take a, a much bigger market share. And you don't have to grab all, look, search is huge in terms of money generation. Microsoft doesn't need a huge gain in market share to generate billions of dollars for the for the company. Yeah, so, it just needs a small, small chunk. Yeah, of you it. go from eight, nine percent to twelve, right? That's a huge uh, increase in flow. So, which is the reason we own Microsoft and we're going to be buying more Microsoft is when we have opportunities to do it. Um, but you know, the, the loser out of this game may be potentially Google, who is still tied to a search engine that's that's required that kind of offers you ads to so when you search for something you say uh you know tell me where the local restaurant is well you get the first four or five links which are paid links that's how they make their money that's why uh they're currently right now republicans are trying or i shouldn't say republicans but congress is trying to pass a bill potentially to start talking about breaking up google ads because they own so much of the ad market that it's kind of falling into that antitrust problem but again that if you change that dynamic to where people search, they don't want paid links. They want the answer, right? I need an answer for the a Pythagorean theorem, and it just gives you the answer, not a bunch of reference links. That could be the game changer that Microsoft may may have. We'll see, but pay attention. The world is about to change. The Chat GPT. People just don't realize it yet. It's probably already there. It's going to change more than you think. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Wraps up the show. Uh, be back tomorrow, of course. It'll be Thursday. Michael Lee, what's joining me? We got the FOMC meeting coming up next week with the Fed. Jerome Powell raising interest rates by 25 basis points. That's not the story. The story is what's he going to say considering the market rally and the easing of financial conditions. We'll talk about that tomorrow with Michael Leibowitz. Uh, be sure to go by the website. His latest article up on the website now, Value Really Isn't Value Investing. That's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. And make sure you subscribe to our new Before the Bell channel so that you are getting notified of our Before the Bell videos every morning. All at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow.